Hey, everybody, before we get into the show, we have a major earth-shattering massive announcement. Nikki? Yes, it is that time again, Pete Wright. Our monthly planning membership is open for enrollment. GPS stands for Guided Planning Sessions, if you don't know already. We've worked really hard here at Take Control ADHD to provide you with a service that not only gives you ideas and strategies on how to plan your day and your week, but it also provides time and space for you to do the work and not just by yourself, but with others who understand and support you. We meet every Monday and Thursday, and there are three different sessions for each day that you're invited to attend. We are dedicated to making this membership to be one that is transformative in the way you think about planning and taking control of your time and schedule. There are so many benefits to the GPS membership, so please be sure to visit our website at takecontroladhd.com slash GPS. Enrollment is open now through May 8th. Thank you for your time and attention, and I hope to see you soon. On with the show. everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on Rashpixel.fm. I'm Pete Wright, and right over there is snowbound Nikki Kinzer. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I have power. You have so power. Yes, you yes, have power. You are digging out. Your poor dog is too short I, oh. for the snow. He's too short. It was really funny. I wish I had video. Yeah. I so wish I had video because I was laughing. And then I got in trouble for laughing at our dog. <laughs> I don't think your dog cares. Does your dog Everybody's care? Everybody's like, no, you can't laugh at him. <laughs> I'm like, but he's so funny. <laughs> he knows he's funny. Don't worry yes, about it. Yes, he does. You're fine. Yeah, he just didn't know where he was going and how he was going to get out of all of this snow. <laughs> there was a little look of panic, yeah. <laughs> for sure. But oh, yeah, it was great. We have lots of snow. It's fun, but we're safe and uh, everything's good. Good. That's good. Uh, I Let's see. I have uh, Before we get started, I have a couple of uh, elsewhere on the internet notes, if I may. Yes. I uh, have guested this last week on Luke Barnett's Author Life Chat. Uh, if you're into writing, um, in, in particular, the structure of your life around writing and as it relates to ADHD, uh, there's a link in the show notes to my conversation with Luke. It, it's a new YouTube channel. He's very uh, excited about it. And uh, we had a good we had a good chat. And then uh, this just this morning, I did a, um, a guest spot on Francesco D'Alessio's Keep Productive uh, Tools They Use podcast, which as you listen to this should be should have gone live, I believe, yesterday. Yesterday, uh, for those in the live stream, it'll be next week. Uh, that was also fun, and it was really a conversation around uh, ADHD and the tools, the the productivity tools that we uh, are uh, that we use, and how they work with ADHD and how they don't. And yes, I talk all about you, you know, simultaneously using multiple to-do apps and the disaster that is my life online. So uh, it was <laughs> it was good fun. And uh, so thank you to Luke and to Francesco for inviting me on. And Francesco is going to be back on our show, on the main show, uh, in the coming month or so at some point. We still need to work out the final date, but he's great. So more productivity tools stuff coming Yay. soon. That's you can it. never get enough of those. So true. So true. So uh, we are going to be talking here about paper uh, is sort of a part five ish of our organizing steps uh, conversation. Before we do that, head over to Take Control ADHD to get to know us a little bit better. You can listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to our mailing list and we'll get an email each time a new episode is released. You can connect with us on Twitter or Facebook at Take Control 
ADHD. The opening question, Nikki Kinzer. Yes, the opening question. So this was a question about how to deal when how to deal with letting somebody down. And so this particular person had written in and they had promised to do something for someone and uh, they forgot. They they just forgot, you know, sim- simply just that's it. They just forgot to do it. Um had every she had every intention but got overwhelmed with my own life and I didn't put it in my calendar like I should have I'm not someone that is usually so unreliable but I'm having a hard time dealing with my forgetfulness and how that affects others and so the question was really just sort of how do I deal with this how do I move on from this uh so what do you think well, I'm going to toss it back to you and because you and I have worked together for a long time and I know I have let you down uh, in the past. And so <laughs> No, you have not. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure I have on on big projects and I know I have because I have I don't remember specifics, but I have a visceral sense memory of the feeling of letting you down because I care about you very much and I oh, that's really so sad. Oh, no, it's not sad. We're we've moved on. Don't you know? Right. We've moved on. Yes. We got over yes. it and we're still together. Uh, yes, but, that's true. But I know this. I know I have the feeling, sort of the emotional memory, much more than the specific memory of of being in a space of of letting you down and feeling like I made a commitment and I'm not living up to it. And I don't know how to live up to it. And I guess I better just be real quiet and pretend that I uh, that it doesn't exist. You're covering your eyes. You like, know? you can't see me. Right. And and this is the trick <laughs> yeah. in my to-do app. If I just if I just remove the date due from a from a task, it'll just disappear. I won't see it. Yeah. Like that's a <laughs> handy like trick. I'm knocking. <laughs> so it is a it yeah. is a soul-crushing feeling to know you're letting yeah. somebody down. I absolutely get that. So uh I don't know. H- have I learned anything? Um, you know, this is hard. This is kind of talking about two different things, right? Because what she's specifically talking about was letting a friend down of something that she was going to follow through on. You're, we're kind of talking more of like a work relationship. Um, but maybe they are the same thing. Maybe they're not that different. I don't think they're that different. Yeah. They're, they're probably really not. Um, you know, I think that in her situation, she did try to uh, make up for it. You know, she obviously apologized and and, um, you know, explained what happened. And I think that's probably really the most important thing if coming from maybe a receiving end of it. But really, Pete, I've never felt like, you know, you've... well, I'm I'm just really I'm glad to know that your memory is shorter than mine. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, But what I would say to anyone that's experiencing this is that I think you have to just be transparent about it and be and be honest. And I do know that one of the things that I do talk about um, that relates to you and I specifically is that the communication is so important that if you are working on a project for me and it's not coming along as well as you thought, then I want to know that. Like, I want to know the truth because for me, it's worse to not know what's going on. So you're hiding and then I'm wondering what's going on and that's frustrating. So 
I think that the biggest lesson to be learned is just to be transparent about it. And even if it's not what the other person wants to hear, I still think that's better than not hearing anything at all. Yeah. So, and in the, and in her situation, she acknowledged it. I mean, she fessed up to it. She didn't make excuses. She didn't say anything other than that. She simply forgot. She didn't put it on her calendar and, um, you know, and I think that you do learn from those experiences. You kind of figure out what you're going to do next time. And somehow you just have to sort of forgive yourself um, and, you know, give yourself the same grace that you would give somebody else. Right. Yeah. And especially when you're dealing with friends and family, um, you know, you would hope that they would find that grace. Now, if they don't, then they're probably not the best people to be around you anyway, because especially with ADHD, this is not going to be the first time or probably the last time that something's going to either get forgotten or is going to be a little bit late because the ADHD doesn't go away. Even if you're managing it perfectly, something could still happen. So you need to have people, uh, you know, that are understanding and supportive around you. It it is an act of a great vulnerability to admit that you've that you've failed in some way, right? That you let somebody down, that you have, you know, that you've dropped the ball on something, and and I think we're we're genuinely afraid to do it and don't know yeah. how to put words to it, and and so it, it comes from a from this place of fear and uncertainty, uh, and in in my experience. Uh, I think if you're open and authentic about how a I recognize that I've done this thing, and mm-hmm. b it it hurts me genuinely to have done this thing, and I'm I recognize that I didn't pull my weight in some way. I I don't have an experience where somebody has come back to me and said, you know, I'm not your friend anymore, right? Right, that, right. <laughs> it's yeah. like that just, just doesn't, doesn't happen, and and no. so uh, like it's it, you can you can start from a place of building and construction and. I know I forgot this thing because I didn't put it on my calendar. I'm not making an excuse, but I am trying to set a context for why I didn't do this thing. And now I'd like to try to find a way to to rebuild. To can I yep. can I do it now? Is it too late? Can I do something else that would make up for it? Can I just buy a drink? Like what can I do right. to to yeah. help rebuild? And I I think that's um that that's the important part. Set context, not excuses. Yeah, absolutely. And and move on from it mm-hmm. and talk to the person. I mean, I think that when you talk it out and don't just hide it, that helps, you yep. know, or talk to somebody else if you're really struggling with it. But yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's exactly how I would approach that. The ADHD podcast is brought to you by you. The reason we can do this show each week, year after year, is thanks to the support of our listeners at patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast. And you know what? Uh, Patreon is fantastic. It has a fun structure that allows us to do, uh, to, to set goals. If you haven't seen it at at, at the website, you, you can set these goals for, for you know, patron support that says if, if we achieve this goal, we're going to be able to do this next thing that we've been wanting to do for a long time and we've needed support to do it and we this week achieved a, a major milestone that that is yeah, I know, it's just it, it's amazing and it's going to allow us to do something that has been a long time but probably the longest single request that that we've had of the show is to bring about transcripts uh, we know that transcripts are important they're important for uh, those who come to the show who with uh, uh 
hearing uh, challenge, uh, those who want to be able to read and reference the show, those who want to be able to search for specific to- topics across a transcript. Uh, transcripts are huge. It's something that we that's not lost on us. The myriad uh, needs that uh, that people bring to the show asking for transcripts is not lost on us at all. But we want to do it well. We want to do it right. We want human transcriptions. And now, thanks to patron support, we can do that. So our first goal is met. Uh, You all, please, you you can't know how it feels to be able to do this. Uh, And and Nikki and I have been talking about our next goal because there are more things we want to do. We just, uh, you know, we'll, we'll keep... Uh, keep updating the website and keep posting for these live streams patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast thank you so much for your support and to those who come after this point uh, the transcripts that you see on the website are thanks to other listeners so thank the community for for making this work patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast Our main topic today, Nikki Kinzer, is part five-ish. It is not officially one of the steps, but it's definitely part of the series of organizing with ADHD. We have completed the first four steps, and we strongly recommend you go back and listen to those four episodes before before you begin uh, this one. It sets a foundation for the conversation we're going to have today, getting started with your paper piles. Yes, yes. So exciting. And something that I want to talk about a little bit before I get right into this is on my website, I have three different online courses. Um, One is organizing your space your way. And the other one is the paper solution. And then the other one is organizing time with ADHD. There's such creative titles. Like, you know, I really (laughs) should get an award for like creativity on my titles. I really think that that should happen. Hands down. Um, But what I want listeners to know, and I know that some of our listeners have already done this, and that's why I want to say, first of all, the people that have purchased these online courses in the last um, few weeks, and I'm hoping that you were inspired by our podcast. Thank you very much. And I want people to know that they're there. So organizing your space your way is the four steps that we have been talking about for the last four weeks. Um, But it goes into a lot more depth. I mean, it is an online course. And so you uh, get more information, you get feedback from me and from other people taking the course. The paper solution is the same thing. It is all about how to organize your paper. It is also on the website and then organizing your time. I mean, it really is organizing your time with ADHD. Um, but that's really about um, not all time management because it's it, that's so big, but it's really about how to get your to-do list into your calendar to get things done. Mm-hmm. That's the easiest way for me to explain that. When it comes to paper, The reason this is part kind of five-ish is because it's very similar to the four steps of organizing your space, but just a little bit different because we're dealing with these, you know, thin pieces of eight by 10 shapes that we have to figure out what to do with, right? Um, And, you know, although I think that many of us are going more paperless, I don't, you know, I... I don't see the piles of paper or hear about the piles of paper like I used to 10 years ago. Which was um, significant. Oh, it was very significant. Yeah. And um, and it's definitely changed since I, you know, the time I went into homes and, and to what I'm seeing now when I'm working with clients online. Um, but it's frustrating. 
and it adds anxiety. We still get mail, and that's a big thing. So we're going to talk about mail today. All right. So before we talk about the actual paper piles and getting caught up on those paper piles, I do want to recommend a um, a system for your incoming paper. Right. So that's the mail. Yeah. So I think that if we can get this set up first and you have a way to already deal with incoming mail, then it's going to be a lot easier to kind of go through that backup, that that stuff. That's yeah, been the backlog. Up. Right. Exactly. Um, okay, so most current paper is coming from your mail, but it could also be coming from your kids. It could be coming from um, organizations that you you know support or whatever. So what we want to do is create an inbox for your mail and and for the other paper that comes in. So you want to have one spot where all of your paper goes to. So this prevents you from putting it in your car, putting it onto the kitchen table, putting it onto the counter or in your office or whatever, right? Because that's what happens is we just kind of drop it wherever it's at. And so let's create one spot. It could be a basket, a bin. I know people who have like a little bag that they stick it in, um, whatever. Then you want to go through it on a regular basis. Now, I'm not going to be the one that tells you to do it daily. I don't know. Do you do your mail daily? Do I do my mail daily? Do you look at it daily? You know what I do? Uh, This gets into maybe a little bit more detail that we can talk about later. I have the my paperless system. So I my mail comes in and I do the sorting, which I know you're about to talk about. And then anything that needs action gets scanned and put into an Evernote folder that's shared with my wife and family. And it's reviewed on a schedule. So I don't do anything with that paper, but I I definitely get it into the into the workflow. Well, and that's kind of what is, you know, this is the physical paper. So you you're talking about how you're doing electronically. You can also do it, you know, physically and have it all in one spot and everything. So um, but ultimately, all of our paper that comes in gets recycled essentially the day it comes in. If things are really cranking along, it gets into the inbox. So I I live this system. So let's let's talk about the categories because this I'm I'm a big supporter. Yeah. Well, there's really three categories. So, I mean, we want to simplify things. You know, you're either going to recycle it or it's going to go into an action type of category or you're going to go and you're going to reference it. So recycles all the trash and, you know, junk mail and things that you don't want. Action is going to be anything that needs your attention now. And those action papers do need to have a separate place to go. So you're saying on an electronic level, you're putting it into Evernote and that's where you go to look at your action items or you're actually probably transferring it then to your to-doist. Exactly. So anything that needs action. So I have a, a, we call it the finance coffee because my wife and I had this thing where we were touring around Portland coffee shops whenever we talked about our finances. And that Mm -hmm. was super fun. Uh, And uh, and so anything that I have, I have a daily mail folder in or, or notebook in Evernote and all the daily mail goes in there dated as it comes through. And then in our finance coffee, we review any bills, any statements, anything that we need to take action on uh, as a family. You know, we pay the bills. We do all the stuff. Reference stuff also goes into Evernote for me. And mm-hmm. that goes into what I call my filing cabinet. And I, I tag it and I put it in there and then it's it's officially reference material. But all of that happens in the process. Do you keep that into Evernote? Yeah. Is Evernote your reference? It is. 
online filing cabinet. Yes. And if there is a task that is associated with that reference note, I put a link from the Evernote note into my Todoist and make the work task uh, out of it. So uh, perfect. Yeah, that's it. I hope I'm still doing it. It's a nice system, right? I mean, you really have kind of this is what happens when it comes in. Then we meet on a weekly basis. We figure out where it goes and then you're putting it where it needs to go. And I'll go ahead. Well, I I have a question. I do. Yeah, I have a question. It's a challenge that I did when we when I started with this system. And it's a really simple system. This is not, you know, rocket science. Uh, But when I started this system, I did not have kids that were receiving mail. And now I have a family where all four of us are receiving mail regularly. And I'm seeing new paper piles, you know, sprout up around my house of mail that's not mine or my wife's. Because we have a system, but making sure that we're teaching the kids who have no interest in this at all. Right. They would rather just light it on fire. They don't even care what it says. Uh, And so I'm trying to figure out how to how to make that transition and how to support them uh, as as they move into kind of adulthood where they're just going to receive mail. And let me tell you, we're in college season and my daughter's getting a lot of mail. Oh, my goodness. But, you know, something that comes to mind right away is getting her a separate basket, yeah. you know, a separate place for her. For, so anything that goes to her, especially because I can imagine she's getting a lot of college stuff, you know, to put it to at least have it in one spot yeah. and then work with her to go through it. Like what what is she interested in and what she's what isn't she? So if there's schools that she knows that she's not going to even pay attention to, let's recycle that yeah. and get rid of it. Um, but, yeah, that's a really good point, Pete, because it's it's sort of a new dynamic uh, new chapter in in your life yeah. that as a family that you're going to have to teach her just like anything else. Yeah. I mean, when you've taught her how to organize her room in general, it's like it's just another thing that you're going to have to kind of teach her and um, figure out how she wants to how she is going to initially want to go back to that when she's ready to start touring and yeah, doing all that stuff. Exactly. And, and so I feel mm-hmm. like that question itself maybe derailed our, our attacking the paper piles conversation, but it's just something to think about if you, if you also are in this, yeah. this situation. So absolutely. Um, absolutely. Well, and for paper that is actually physical paper, and I'm so glad we're having this conversation because we, people can see both sides. They can see the electronic yeah. side and they can see what happens when you have just the regular paper. I recommend a bulletin board um, to put those action papers in. So if you have an RSVP or you have bills that, you know, you have to pay, put a sticky, you know, put a red sticky note on it, put it on a bulletin board. Out of sight is out of mind. If you do not have that in front of you in some way, you will forget. And so that's why, in my experience, the bulletin board has been, you know, pretty consistently it works. I mean, it just, it, it, it works on a pretty consistent level. Yeah. So that's what I recommend for that reference paper again, is anything that you want to keep, but it just gets filed. You don't need to to have it right away. So, um, you're putting yours into Evernote, which is great. If again, if you're going to have a traditional, um, 
you know, traditional paper, just having kind of a filing cabinet that that's going to go into. However, I have to just say, again, keep that very simple. Um, I have 12 folders, January, February, March through December, and anything that comes in in that month, that's where it goes. I don't even care what it is. That's just where, mm-hmm. where it goes. So it has one spot to go. So I'm not, you know, I'm not one to say category, subcategory, subcategory, subcategory. Um, I think we got to make these these things easy and simple so that they don't get piled up. You actually have a place for them to go. And better yet, do what Pete Wright is doing. Follow his example and go paperless. <laughs> <laughs> the less paper you have, you know, to collect, the better. So online bill paying, all of that stuff, that is not new anymore. Right. Um, yeah, think about that. Know, when we first did the uh, attacked paper, that was that was still kind of a new kind thing. Of a new thing. And uh, we didn't have systems for for dealing with that and uh, for turning right. off the paper. Uh, now we do. That's that's pretty regular. Bills come through your email. Yeah. You, they're already paid. And, you know, where do they go? And do you need them? I mean, that's the other thing, too, is what do you really need to keep and for how long? Mm-hmm. Well, um, you know, that's a whole nother podcast, right. but ask your financial advisor and tax accountant for first, especially because so many people have different, um, different requirements and things that they have to keep. So definitely if you're curious about what you need to keep, ask. And for how long, right. Professionals. Right. Right. For, yeah, exactly. Okay. So now that you've processed your mail, we want to tackle the backlog. We want to go and tackle all of the paper piles that you have or boxes, banker boxes that you have. And I think the first thing that we want to um, really go into the project, treating it like it is a project. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I know that sounds odd, but do you know what I mean by that? Do you understand what I'm saying? I think I do. It's, you know, when I think of a project, it's a it's a thing that you invest time into on a schedule and it ends. Perfect description. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not something that necessarily you're going to get done in one day because it really depends on how much paper you have. I have been in hundreds of homes in my professional organizing career, and I have seen, you know, more paper than I've ever seen in my life in one spot. And then I've seen paper piles that just seem pretty normal, but it's really anxiety um, driven for that person. So everybody's tolerance is a little bit different and everybody is going to have a different amount of paper to go through. So the project, the the time that the project's going to take is going to depend. And it's, it's also, if you do feel like if you're listening to this podcast, because you have a paper issue, then my guess is that it's going to take you longer than just 30 minutes to complete this, right? Yeah. Because you wouldn't be listening to this if you didn't think you had a paper problem. Right. Um, so you really do want to treat it like a project. Pay attention to it. Make the time for it. Everything that Pete said is right on. Um, and, you know, I think that uh, it's one of those things that you just want to get started on and keep working on it, you know, box by box. It's going to be kind of frustrating, you know, because you're going to see the paper and you're going to be like, oh my gosh, there's so much to go to. But just keep focusing box on box, pile to pile. Don't worry about it. You're going to get through it. Um, well, and, you know, I would add that, you know, it's a it's a, a thing of great stress to imagine doing this. But I mentioned a, a old boss who had a, a great way of thinking about, you know, attacking a paper pile that you can convert any any size paper pile into uh, something that's completely manageable. Just take one piece right off the top. 
and start a new pile. That's all you have to focus on. It's one, one piece of paper at a time, one decision at a time, as long as you put it on the calendar, as long as you make room yeah. in your life to accomplish the goal that you set out to achieve, which is tackling the paper piles. Yes. Intentional planning. You got to keep this project in front of you because we know that you can get started and then leave it. It's, you know, that's a real high possibility. So we want to be pretty intentional with our time. Decide how often you want to work on this project and make a commitment to your schedule to do so. Uh, schedule your organizing sessions into your calendar. Um, it may be easier for you to be consistent and choose like the same time every day to work on your paper um, or the same days. Like you could say, okay, 10 minutes a day right after dinner. Um, but you could also say Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I'm going to work on my paper for 30 minutes from 5 to 5.30 before I make dinner, right? So you're kind of attaching it to other things, but you're making it easy and simple and not so overwhelming. Um, so there's a lot of flexibility of how you can plan for this, but it, it definitely takes some attention. Otherwise, what happens? Nothing. Thank you. <laughs> if you weren't going to say that, I was going to like I, do sign language so that just, you knew what the answer was. was just, <laughs> so I'm so wait, glad I was trying to insert nothing as a metaphor. Nothing. Yeah, a silence. That's nothing right. happens. Good job, yeah, Pete. Thank you. <laughs> It's like I've, it's yeah, like I've been paying happens. attention all these years. I know. It's fabulous. Uh, okay. So now that you've set the time aside, where do you start? Okay. Well, I'm going to do a, a shameless plug um, in my, in my <laughs> online program, The Paper Solution. Uh, I suggest collecting your paper first before sorting it. So what I say is that this is where it gets kind of overwhelming. If you have a lot of paper in a lot of different places, and man, I got to tell you, I have seen some really creative places to put paper, yeah. like in unused bathtubs oh. and I mean, all kinds of stuff. So what you got to do is get uh, some kind of container, whether it's a banker box, a bin, uh, bags, whatever, and just go through and get, get everything together and um, at your scheduled time, you're taking a box or like you said, you take one piece of paper and you just start going through it. The categories of when you're going through backlog are very, very simple. You're basically going to keep it or you're not. Yes or no. Um, it's so simple. And then, you know, the keep pile, once you get through all of that, it's going to be separated into action or reference. Mm -hmm. But I can almost guarantee you that 90% of the time it's going to be reference paper, not action, because we're talking about backlog. Right. So if you come to a piece of paper that had an action item on it, I almost guarantee you probably have missed the date. Right. If it was a bill, for example, and this I love this, how they, they have the 30, 60, 90, 120, like they'll tell you how late you are and paying your bill. Right. And so, you know, we run into this uh, occasionally when one of our bills ends up in my daughter's pile for some weird reason, you know, yes. where we'll have gotten it two or three times. It's the same bill. We just need to go pay pay it exactly even, the date is it's over it's it's yeah. it's your it's not relevant right. anymore exactly right. um so that is typically what's going to happen um and uh what you're also going to find is with older paper it typically you're going to have a lot more recycled and shredding you're you're not going to keep you're not going to keep it um and so that actually i want you guys the people that are listening to this have that as be um a little piece of hope 
for you, like inspiration to actually go through it, because the majority of what you are, what is in front of you and what's stacked in front of you, you don't need and you don't need to keep. And so if you can just get rid of it, it's going to be a heck of a easier when you get into, you know, what is it? Step three. And that's actually organizing the paper and putting it into a file. Well, and that's why, I mean, that goes back to the organizing steps, right? You always do your sort and purge. Before you organize it, right? Get rid of the stuff you don't need before you spend the time, uh, you know, trying to figure out what to do with it. That's right. And that's why this is where the two systems really are very parallel, Mm -hmm. because that's exactly what's happening. Um, A big challenge when sorting paper that I have found with my clients is the fear of regret, What if I need this later? Um, So in some situations, there is paper that you're going to need for tax purposes. Ask your accountant, ask your financial advisor for advice. They're going to know what you need. Most paper outside of memorabilia can be replaced if you absolutely um, need it back. So let me repeat that. Most paper outside of memorabilia can be replaced. So if you have memorabilia type of paper that you want to keep for a reason, Keep it. Mm-hmm. You know, this is your house. Keep it. Um, I do have a question for you, though, Pete, because this came up recently. What if you're um, a grad student or a teacher or you've had like, you know, you've you've done all this research on getting your what is it? The thesis or what is it? At the a end dissertation. Your, your, yes. Yeah. yeah. So you've done all your research for all of that. What would you suggest to someone as far as like, what do you do with that? Do you keep it? Do you scan it and put it online? Um, how do you decide what is important to keep? Oh, I, well, okay. Look, I'm the paperless guy, right? So I keep, right. I keep everything. And since most of my research in the research process, and when I was working on my own thesis, uh, that research all lived inside of the digital domain at the time, you know, it was, I was an early, early Evernote person, but when I was working on my thesis, I didn't have Evernote, but it was still all, you know, PDFs, uh, of, and, and selections from, um, resources that I had scanned manually. I had the big scanner and I was scanning books and I was scanning. So all of that had been converted into PDF, even in the, the early days. Ugh, the bygone days. So I still have all of that reference information and and have found it useful in my teaching to keep all of that stuff. So um, I I'm an advocate for, you know, from the purpose of academia, I'm an advocate of keeping the archive of academic work and, and personal academic research and keeping it well organized and tagged, especially if you're in a position of writing a dissertation, you're going to be teaching. Uh, and so right, using those right. resources as, uh, you know, as, as something to help you and your professional development to stay on top of the sort of uh, the, the work that you're doing is is key. It's absolutely key. So I, I keep everything. Okay. Well, I'm really glad you said that because that's exactly the person that I have in mind. That's exactly what's happening is she knows that she's going to need to go back to it because she's going to be teaching. Yeah. It. And so, um, so you're just to be clear, then your recommendation would be that maybe it would be more, t- it would be worth her time then to scan the information, get it into Evernote or something that she trusts and, um, take the time to tag it and categorize it in that regard so that when she wants to go back and get it, she can get it just in the computer and not into a banker box. I absolutely 
absolutely uh, uh, believe that is the right path forward. And you absolutely trust. I know I'm sounding so old school, but I know there's people probably asking this. You trust that the information, once it gets into your computer, it's safe and you can go ahead and get rid of the hard copies. Well, yeah, I do. Okay. (laughs) I just want to make sure because, you know, people are going to ask. They do. They ask all the time. And and it's this is an important question. And, you know, and so I'll just say again, my uh, I have my computer. I'm a a Backblaze customer. And I also so all of the uh, my resources. So Evernote is my digital resource for my digital filing cabinet. All of those attachments, PDFs, they all live in my computer and then they sync to the Evernote cloud server, which again, I trust over the years I've used since the very beginning. And I trust what they have done. They've never lost data for me. Uh, But also that Evernote local archive that I never have to actually see because I interact with it on Evernote, but all of my data is synced in my computer and then Backblaze backs up my computer right to the cloud. So the entire thing is backed up to the cloud. So I am a big advocate of backups. Uh, Make no mistake. I, I, you know, just in case is 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 an important (laughs) you know reason just in case right i i definitely have and and i'm of the mind that if you if you don't have two copies of something you don't have any copies of something right because if you lose the one you've got none so um you know all of my data is is backed up doubles safe absolutely double backed double backed up and i do have to say when my computer crashed Everything I had on Evernote and everything I had in Google Docs yep. came back to me immediately. That's right. And I lost nothing. You lost nothing. So that is a testament yeah. to actually, where we are today right now. I mean, a lot of is, these things are figured out. This is settled science. Right. And it's interesting because I used to save a lot of stuff on like the computer, right? Yeah. Like the I don't even know what the terminology is, but you know, you make a folder, you file whatever, it's in the computer. Yeah. But if your computer crashes and it's not backed up for whatever reason, but it should be, um you would lose those things. But the other things you're not losing because they're in the cloud. In the so cloud. I trust it too, but I just think, you know, it's a good conversation for us to have cuz is it still a question for a lot of people. Yeah. So with now we're going back to reference paper I kind of made a um, I made a suggestion about this earlier about just I have a January through December system um, just keep it simple simple you know whether you are um, filing online which is what we are preferring you to do we say that out loud mm-hmm. <laughs> or you're doing it in a you know a traditional filing filing cabinet or whatever just keep your your category simple don't think too much about it because that's where people get stuck and um, just how are you going to remember if you do need to to retrieve the piece of paper for whatever reason but i gotta say another really nice thing about being online is all you have to do is search for it and it comes up. Yeah. So, and that that gets nice. to a uh, that gets to a, a question that we get um, occasionally and has come up in the chat room today, which is how do you how do you tag your online resources, your digital scanned paper, to make sure that you can then find it later? And I think that's a great question, uh, and and it it merits some thought, individual thought, because your system is going to be different than my system is going to be different than Nikki's system, uh, which is. You know, for me, if it's a a receipt, for example, the reason I'm saving a a given receipt is for tax purposes. So I tag it for taxes and then that year and uh, and then it automatically 
goes into the right place, right? As soon as I tag it, if I search for that tag, I bring up that tag in Evernote, I see all the receipts. But the other benefit of Evernote in particular, and a lot of these online systems now uh, that we didn't have as a benefit early in, in the early days of paperless is that uh, these systems will index the text in scanned PDFs, like books and receipts and pages and bills and statements. And so you can actually search in the Evernote search bar, and it will bring up text inside of PDFs. So you can tag broadly and then still find very narrowly a specific restaurant or a specific date or something like that. That's that's super useful. So uh, right. that, that's certainly something to think about. But I tend to tag uh, broadly around general purposes. So taxes and then mm -hmm. taxes and a specific year uh, for receipts and statements that I need to keep around those kinds of scans. Uh, for example, mm -hmm. I, you know, I need other category ideas to respond to if there's a specific question, but that's an idea. Well, and I, you know, for just for me, I think that when it comes to like ADHD research, I'll tag it by whatever the research is. So, you know, I may have a file folder in Evernote that's ADHD research, mm -hmm. but then I'm going to have, you know, hashtag working memory, hashtag time management, yes. hashtag organization. And so if I'm looking for something that's very specific to that, it's very helpful, especially if I'm going to do a podcast on paper organizing. Um, you know, I could have, I didn't do this because I didn't need to, but if I needed to, I could go back and look at, you know, what I have done before, which kind of goes back to to the academic piece. Yeah. What have I already written? What have I already um, done that I could put into this and then put it into a podcast and yeah, and teach it to the world, to the world, <laughs> whoever's listening. Yeah. Um, so anyway, the last step I want to talk about is that maintaining step, right? So in organizing your space, it's it's that fourth step. It's the same thing here in in your paper organization. Uh, and I'm going to say the same thing. You just have to keep paying attention. You have to have a system in place for incoming paper. You've got to have those steps that you're going to follow through. So think th think about what that's going to look like for you. Uh, pay attention as soon as you start seeing the paper uh, getting piled up or your basket's getting too big. Um, my basket right now is a mess. I'm going to have to go through it. Um, and then you just continue to do those steps. You sort, you purge, you organize it, you file it. And uh, that's, that's what you do with paper paper doesn't have to be hard i think often you know just the when you see the volume of paper if you if you have a backlog of paper that can be a, a thing that sparks fear and anxiety and it doesn't have to be uh it, it's only it, it only has to make you as anxious as you let it uh so don't worry about what's in it all you need to know is that the second you attack it you'll know what's in it and you'll know there's no reason to fear that's right. Okay. Thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to this very podcast. I hope this gives you some ideas on how to approach your paper, uh, your, your giant and fermenting paper piles. On behalf of Nikki Kinzer, I'm Pete Wright. We'll catch you next time right here on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast.